something sticky. And it wasn't wild to you. Sorry, I touched something sticky. It wasn't Miles's ear. <laughs> Our scripture reading this morning from the Gospel comes to us from the Gospel according to Luke. Chapter 24, verses 28 through 32. Listen to God's word. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, because it's almost evening, evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? And our second reading comes from the book of Romans, chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. Listen again to God's word. We who are strong ought to put up with the failings of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Each of us must please our neighbor for the good purpose of building up the neighbor. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. <laughs> you, well, some of you will and some of you won't. I keep forgetting some of you are a bit younger than I am. How many of you remember the controversy when that movie, The Last Temptation of Christ, came out? in the 1970s. You remember? Did any of you see it? No. Good, good. What I remember is from my childhood, which is when it came out, was the fact that so many people were on the news protesting this blasphemous movie. And I remember, I think it might have been Dan Rather even, who asked one of the pastors who had the sign and was burning things in effigy. He asked him, well, you know, what was it about the movie that you felt was blasphemous when you saw it? He said, well, I've never seen it. <laughs> and I'm not going to, it's blasphemous. Well, what's it about? Well, I don't know and I don't need to know, I just know it's blasphemous. And even as like a 10-year-old child, I thought, are you kidding me? Use your brain. It's blasphemy and no one should see it. What they were really upset about is it suggests, but does not say or show or anything else, that Jesus might have known a woman. 
our 100% human and 100% divine Lord might have had human feelings. Well, we can't have that. No. And they also knew it was bad because Hollywood, obviously, is a den of vice and perversion. Oh, it's terrible out there. Well, look at the stars who've stayed married for 40 and 50 years. It's not necessarily a place of vice and perversion. It's a little weird. I've been there. But the loudest Christians come along and condemn Hollywood for sex and violence. But when we make a film for Christian audiences, they get raked over coals. They just can't win. And I'm sorry about that. That shouldn't be the way it is. And usually what they say is, well, it doesn't follow Scripture. It doesn't follow Scripture very well. Well... There's a reason it doesn't follow Scripture. Scripture is great storytelling, but it translates lousy to a screenplay. It doesn't work. And I'm real sorry. It's good material. I, my dad said, how do you do a sermon every week? And I said, I got good material. No problem. So if it is great storytelling, Think about this in terms of, let's write a script for a movie. There was a man who was going to Jericho, according to Jesus. That doesn't make a good movie. Why is he going to Jericho? Who is he? What does he do for a living? Does he, is he married? Does he have kids? Is he old? Is he young? Tall, short, fat, skinny? There's nothing there to give us any idea. Or Jesus also said there was the son of a rich father, a young man. Why was his dad rich? Where'd all that money come from? Who was his dad? What did his dad do for a living? What, did he do anything for a living? Did he go to school? Did he have a girlfriend or a wife? Scripture doesn't say. Jesus didn't tell us. He didn't fill in all those gaps. And Jesus says, consider the lilies of the field. Do you know they probably weren't lilies? They were probably roses of Sharon. Ha-ha. Lilies of the field. But if somebody watched a movie that took that literally and they were walking through a field of Easter lilies, it would be beautiful to see. But somebody would come along and say, you know, that's not technically right. <laughs> or take this part. Explain this one. Jesus says, this is my body and this is my blood. Uh-oh. What are you going to do with that in a movie, in a screenplay? Do you put it body and blood? Some of our brothers and sisters would believe, yes, it needs to be body and blood. Others would say, well, not really body and blood. It needs to be bread that represents the body, blood that represents the blood. 
And then the people in Hollywood are going, well, no matter what we say, we're going to get in trouble. We just can't win on this. The kingdom of heaven is like. And Jesus gives us these little descriptions, but he doesn't. What are we going to do when we get there? I can't pluck a chicken. I'm sure not going to pick up a harp. Okay. <laughs> do we hang around on clouds with little wings? Maybe. We don't know. Scripture never fills in the gaps. Jesus gives us just enough information in the Gospels, and God gives us just enough information throughout the Bible to let us know what the story is, but leaves us to fill in the gaps. That's good storytelling, because it leaves us room to imagine the scene in our own minds. It gives us a chance to fill those gaps in with something we understand. And all the scriptures like that. The Old Testament began as a bunch of stories people sat around and told. I also want you to think about this. Yeah. The story of Noah that they've made three-hour movies out of. Okay. Which are pretty good. I really enjoy them. It's, it's a lot of fun. They fill in a lot of gaps. Because you know what? The story of Noah is only 96 verses long. Get out Genesis and look at the story of Noah. It's tiny. Noah found favor with God. How? What did Noah do that God really liked? It never tells us. What were all these people doing that was so bad God destroyed them? We don't know. They were evil. That's all it tells us. I'd kind of like a list so I could avoid doing those things. Personally, I don't want to get drowned. And think about this too. Think of those movies and think about the passages of the story of Noah and realize Noah does not speak at all in that story until the last three to five verses. Never speaks. So what are they doing with this script? Noah's not supposed to talk apparently. God does all the talking. We don't know any of that. What did the ark look like? Well, if you go by the description, it's a big old box. And not very big either. If you, if you, we stepped it off in the parking lot one day for youth. It wouldn't hold very much, especially not just the animals, but what the animals kind of produce. <laughs> I guess they were supposed to throw it overboard or something. But at the end of the story, Noah finally speaks and dies. The end. How long did it take him to build the ark? We don't know. We know it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Where did he get the wood? Where did he live? God never tells us the answers to those stories. We're allowed to fill in gaps. But if we try to make our little things that we fill in the gaps with part of that story as official scripture, we are wrong. Well, see, here's how Noah did it. 
Well, I figured it all out. No, you haven't. Shut up. Did the community make fun of him? Did they stand around? Scripture doesn't tell us that. We see it in movies. Oh, Noah's building a big old boat. Well, that didn't happen in the story. Did he have to hire people to help him? That's big pieces of wood. How's he going to do that? When the flood subsides, what does the world look like? Did, did the water goes down and everything's just like it was except all the people are dead? That doesn't make any sense. And what about ducks? I have wondered about ducks. How can you make a two-hour movie out of that? The only way to do it is filling gaps. What is written doesn't really say much. To make it a movie, which its first job of a movie is to create entertainment. I still remember when ministers went nuts about, uh, what was that book? The Da Vinci Code. And they had these big meetings about what in the Da Vinci Code was wrong. And I kept thinking, on the cover, it says, a novel. And isn't a novel by definition fiction? What is your problem? It's just a good story. It's entertaining. Shut up. What kind? Jesus says the disciples didn't recognize our Lord. They hung out with him for about three years. How did they not recognize him? What was different after he was resurrected from the grave? Scripture doesn't tell us. How could they not recognize him until he broke the bread? And what kind of bread was it? Was it leavened or unleavened? That's a big controversy among Christian churches. Leavened or unleavened? Who cares? It's bread. Eat it. Was the wine Bordeaux? Did it have a full body and hints of oak and spices? I don't know. For all we know, it could have been Kool-Aid. We don't know. But we are allowed to fill in those gaps and figure it out for ourselves. All Hollywood does is take what we, call, what we all do without realizing it, fills in the gaps, tries to tell a good story. <laughs> Did Noah ever talk to God? Doesn't say. Noah ever hear God? Apparently. He just never responded. When we look at the world around us and we look at things like Hollywood movies, we do have to go back and compare them to what Scripture tells us, all right? And not confuse the two. I suspect Moses didn't look anything like Charlton Heston, <laughs> right? But he was the right guy to play that part. He chewed the scenery like nobody's business. And he came across as a Moses. Who do you think of when you think of Moses? Charlton Heston. But think about this too. What if Hollywood wasn't really wrong? They just filled in the gaps differently than we would. 
Maybe they just have a different view of it. And that's all. But it makes for some good movies. I think Hollywood opens scripture up to us so we can explore. It should point, it should not be our Sunday school lesson, it should point us back to scripture and what scripture does say. Can anybody tell me where in scripture it says God will never give you more than you can handle? You know why? Because it doesn't say that. It's nowhere in Scripture. And I love it when Christians quote that to me. Where is that in the Bible exactly? Can you tell me? I'd like to read it too. Scripture is not a movie. Movies are not Scripture because they're not supposed to be. Scripture was, is, and is still meant to do what Scripture does. Hollywood does what Hollywood does. But Hollywood entertains us with a new way of telling the story, and that's all it is. Our Lord calls us to obedience. Our Lord calls us to participate with each other in communion, and not only communion with bread and wine, but communion with our hearts, communion with each other by paying attention and loving each other, and allowing other people to help us when we are in need. You can't do it all by yourself. I'm real sorry to tell you that. I know that goes against everything American and everything Protestant. But you can't do it. I've tried, trust me. All it did was drive me crazy. So intercommunion with God and with each other. Look at the stories and how they're told by all kinds of people. Listen to them. But be able to recognize when they're filling in gaps. That's important. Because too many of us get our Bible instruction from Hollywood. Amen. I do want to let you know before we do our affirmation of faith, I had to get, I went back and asked Emlu's permission so I could tell you this. She is having emergency shoulder surgery next Sunday because her shoulder came apart again. So, well, she's with us and you can tell her your prayers and your thoughts are with her. But I told her I have a welder at the house <laughs> and I think we could take care of that. But in light of all that, come let us stand and say who we are and to whom we belong. God alone is Lord of the conscience and has left it free from the doctrines and commandments of men which are in anything contrary to his word or beside it in matters of faith or worship so that to believe such doctrines or to obey such commandments against the conscience is to betray true liberty of conscience and requiring an implicit faith and an absolute and blind obedience is to destroy liberty of conscience and reason also.